0: Industry insiders often joke that we're building, you know, uh, face computers. And like, this is the first time that really is like, you know, a MacBook Pro Ultra walking around in
1: your face that you can do anything with. That was Sterling Crispin. I'm Eli Scheinman and welcome to Proof Artist Profiles. Sterling's an amazing human. He's an engineer, he's an artist, And he's one of the contributors to apple's new vision pro we had an opportunity to talk to sterling and we went deep on immersive technology the future of ar and vr and also his conceptual art practice and his new upcoming drop with art blocks this was a joy i really enjoyed the discussion settle in and this is sterling crispin at length proof artist profiles Okay, Sterling, welcome to the show. Man, it's such a a pleasure to have you here. I know it's been kind of a crazy, probably week or so for you, but also maybe uh, quite fulfilling after all the work you've done on things like Vision Pro and just being in the space. But, you know, I thought it'd be fun to start. Let's go pretty far back in in your origin story. I found it fascinating that uh, you have a master's of science in multimedia engineering. And a master of fine art, which tells me that this combination of engineering and artistic practice has always been a part of you. Can you talk about that a little bit?
0: Yeah, sure. I mean, I you know I started writing code in high school and really got into digital art through you know games like Quake Two and Counter Strike, and you know thought maybe I'd go to school for um, you know game design and that kind of thing, but steered away from that and you know just focused on fine art and. At one point after my BFA, I read all of Ray Kurzweil's books about the singularity Mm -hmm. and, you know, the accelerating pace of technology and that we were going to merge with machines one day. And I was like, oh, my God, like, this is what I want to do with my life. And I looked through grad programs and UC Santa Barbara has this amazing program called Media Art and Technology that's, you know, it's a computer engineering degree for um, Mm -hmm. visual art and you know, VR and audio engineering. And they have these amazing facilities there. There's this thing called the Allosphere in the California, um, nanotechnology Institute. And it's a three story tall metal sphere that you can walk in like 20 people can walk into. So imagine a planetarium. That's a full sphere with, you know, 3d glasses and projections and stuff. And I was working with that in like 2012. And that was kind of my entry point into the whole AR VR space. And, um, yeah, it's been a it's been a ride since.
1: Amazing. And, and is it true you grew up in or were were born in Hawaii? And the reason I ask is, there's this through line I think through much of your work around this uh, this tension, perhaps, or this theme around computational uh, beauty of nature. I've spent time in Hawaii. I lived there for some time. Is is that theme informed by perhaps those early years in Hawaii? or not at all um
0: yeah totally i mean i think you hit the nail on the head hawaii is like such a beautiful special kind of magical place on the world and you know growing up there as a child it's like oh the whole the whole world must be like this it's all like this you know and um, yeah yeah it's so lush there um definitely definitely a big part of the way that i see the world just the reverence for nature
1: And were you atypical in that, uh, you know, maybe your friends were out on the beach surfing or hiking and you were, you were in front of the computer or did you, you blend those pretty well in the early days? Uh, No, I got, I got into
0: nature quite a bit as a kid. Um, We didn't get a computer until, you know, I was, I don't know, 15 or something. So I, I got a decent amount of time in out in nature. We used to go camping a lot on the rainforest side of the island and, you know, look up and see the Milky Way and everything
1: epic. Uh so but let, let's unpack that a little bit more Sterling. That that theme of computational beauty of nature. Um you know maybe a, a decent place to use as an entry point for that theme is your first art blocks long form generative project, uh Neophyte. Can you talk to me a little bit about that and the relationship back to that primary theme? Yeah, so
0: I actually I wrote an early version of this project for the Allosphere that I just mentioned, that immersive um, sphere that you can walk into. And um, I, you know, I've always had this reverence for nature, and I had taken a class with um, Theodore Kim, who's actually got a um, Oscars for a smoke algorithm he wrote that's basically been used in every movie you've ever seen. And we were- um, you know, we were writing C++ code on how to, you know, simulate like, you know, the wave equation and Perlin noise and like all of these ways of simulating nature. And you start looking at the math and learning the math. And then you you go out on a walk and you're like, oh my God, this pine cone is like the most profound, you know, Mm. thing I've ever seen. And you think about whether we've like invented mathematics or discovered mathematics. And then you start seeing these patterns in nature. And it's like, It's, math is the language of the universe and you start seeing it in nature and it's like so cosmically profound, you know? Um,
1: And and that that manifested through, yeah.
0: Yeah, so neophyte, um, it's um, based on um, the L system, which is like a algorithm that was discovered that uh, controls the patterns of single cell organisms subdividing. And so there's kind of like a, a rhythmic way that they um, break apart and kind of like replace their own sort of uh, patterns. I you can use that system to um, simulate plant life pretty well. And, you know, the piece is kind of like a slow moving thing. Like some generative art is very fast and kind of intense and meant to be taken in like in a, a split second in a feed. And I wanted to make something mm-hmm. that like you could display in your home And it could be in the corner of your eye and not fight for your attention, but you could walk by it every day and it would always look different. So the piece um, goes on forever and the plants should essentially never um, repeat themselves. It's kind of like a always evolving um, simulation of these things blooming and kind of dying and fading away and going through these growth cycles.
1: It's so fascinating Uh, and I like that you brought up the way that you hope someone engages with the work or, or may engage with the work. I have a friend who was at the Marfa Art Blocks uh, event this, this past fall. And they mentioned, when I, when I said that I was speaking to you, they mentioned that you had used circuit boards uh, to communicate this project in a physical instantiation and then had distributed those. Can you maybe describe what that was and, and why, is, why was or is that form Of this project and some of your other work interesting
0: yeah i mean i used to take apart things as a kid just for fun really and circuit boards are so beautiful you know when you take them apart and look at them like they're so intricate and weirdly organic you know it's almost like looking at the insides of some organisms some of them are are really complicated and i've I've wanted to make circuit boards forever i feel like most artists have thought about it at one point in their life and yeah i started learning how to um how to operate that software and built a few pieces with it. And I thought, you know, Neophyte is really a time-based evolving thing and making a print of it on paper just kind of doesn't make sense. So why not make, uh, you know, a parallel artwork that also is its own thing. So I made these I large, you know, black 16 by 20 um, circuit boards for the first, I think, dozen collectors or something like that.
1: I love that. What's the process to actually make those physicals? Uh, uh, If you could, could uh, give us a quick sense of that.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's a lot like just making a drawing in a way. And, and people always ask me like, Oh, are these functional? Can you like, are they electrically functional (laughs) to do something? And there are so many people that make electrically functional circuit boards to do different things. Like I just, Every time I get these manufactured, the company's like, are you sure you want to manufacture this? Like, this is all <laughs> yeah. wrong. And I'm like, yeah, just print it anyway, you know? So I really treat you know, it more like a growing
1: medium. You know, you know, Sterling, that, that's a sign that uh, you're onto something when the manufacturer's like, are you sure this is really something you want to do? It's like, okay, that's that reinforces the conviction that I think that's something I should do.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, I'm either making a terrible mistake or this is going to be
1: amazing. And I think you got <laughs> to just- right. Uh, you gotta risk it and go for it for sure. That's that's the zone to play in, right? Um, so uh, there is this other theme, uh, at least uh, from what I can tell that that uh, follows much of your work. And of course you have an artistic practice that that well, Web3, but there is this maybe through line um, around futures and, and these different potential futures and these narratives that we build um, culturally, societally, around what what our futures look like. And and you really play with that tension between is technology uh, part of our salvation ultimately, or perhaps uh, an accelerant to certain forms of destruction um, and and corrosive uh, in some ways. Um, It seems to me as I, I look at your work can you talk about maybe how that's manifested in something like Future Tense or otherwise? And then I'd be fascinated to hear, you know, maybe how that has manifested through Web3 and crypto ultimately.
0: Yeah, um, for sure. You know, I really got fascinated by that when I was working at my first um, tech job out of grad school. It was a company that was making a um, an AR hard hat. So it had gl- uh, yeah. AR glasses built into it. And um, it was super futuristic at the time for 2014. And at the same time, California was like experiencing its worst drought. And they were Mm. farming with like 10,000 year old groundwater. And they're like, nobody knows how much of this water is left. And there's all these wildfires. And I'm like, how can drones be delivering our groceries? And we have driverless cars and there's like not enough water to grow the food. And the environment is collapsing. Like what the, like both these things both these extreme futures can't be happening at the same time but somehow they are right so i started making these sculptures that were kind of like places to put all of those anxieties so i could kind of like look at them and see them and um yeah one of the earliest pieces was um a bitcoin mining sculpture that you could uh take apart and eat all this dehydrated food that was kind of bolted to the bitcoin miner and you know water <laughs> Water filters and hand crank radios and stuff like that. So it's like you're you're hedging your bets. Like either the artwork is going to accrue in value, or Bitcoin is going to accrue in value, or like society is going to totally collapse and you'll still have like a little bit of food and water in the sculpture. <laughs> and um,
1: where does that live? Yeah, now, then, that sculpture.
0: Yeah, um, it was in a show in Paris, I think, and a an art a big art collector bought it. But then it stayed in storage for a while, and then in this was in 2015, and then 2017 during the boom, he wanted the sculpture, and uh, I I had mined some Bitcoin with that machine, but it was like into a pool, and I like lost the password to it, and so yeah, the Bitcoin was gone. Um, Yeah, it's there's a long there's a long story, and I think if I had taken the money from the sale of the sculpture and bought Bitcoin with it. Like, I can't remember what it'd be worth now, but uh, I I've try I've to forget what that value was.
1: <laughs> sure. So Sterling, um, you know, obviously, you know, Bitcoin and these themes around uh, the financialization of your work and and uh, broadly the financial system has been a theme of your work for, for some time, going all the way back to 2015, as you said. Where did uh, NFTs come into the mix ultimately for you?
0: Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've thought about, you know, speculative finance and all these um, visions of, um, narratives of the future for a while, like you were saying, and I think I saw NFTs originally, you know, I've done a bunch of machine learning work and was following machine learning artists and they were super early to super rare. I was Like, oh, this is cool that these machine learning artists can make like 20 bucks on their, their generative pictures. That's cool. But like, I got to make some art world money, you know? And then, uh, this, this art writer, Kenny shader that I follow started talking about it and I was like, Whoa, Kenny's talking about it. Like what's going on. And that was like a month before people's, uh, big drop. So I kind of like caught in a whiff of it before then. And, um, you know, having been indoctrinated so much into the fine art world, I really think about things in terms of like form and content. So like, if you want to say something, what medium? Is best to say it in and like what can that medium say that no other medium can say right so the first seven nfts that i made are all kind of conceptual artworks about like okay where does the value lie is it the picture is it the token is it the idea that those both represent um you know like how do transactions themselves become a medium like what about the financialization of it so they're all kind of asking these like Um, self-reflective questions. And, you know, I've written smart contracts since then that kind of more directly embody that. And, you know, I, yeah, I consider myself a conceptual artist in a lot of ways. So I just let my curiosity take me to take many of these different places.
1: And do you have a perspective, um, you know, is crypto ultimately part of a, a salvation story or otherwise?
0: yeah I mean, I think it's definitely a good hedge against the you know traditional um, financial markets for sure. I think crypto gets a bad rap that it's like hyper capitalist, but at the end of the day it's programmable money, you know, so any arbitrary economic system can be um, organized. Uh, so I think that's really exciting. I mean, I think that the overall macro trend of you know digital objects being valuable, is not going away and, you know, crypto being a way to represent that value makes tons of sense. And like, you know, if you look at Sam Altman's WorldCoin, seems a little weird at first, but then you think about, you know, proof of humanity being a major requirement as we go into the future, there's there's so many things, yeah.
1: So Sterling, let's talk about the way that this all folds into ultimately what what was sort of most, sort of top of mind and and newsworthy in the last week or so, which was the Apple release of Vision Pro. Um, You had a great tweet describing your contributions over a a big portion of your career. Tell us a little bit of the background. How did you find yourself at Apple? I know you'd been doing that work previously, uh, but we'd just love to hear that origin story. And then let's talk about sort of how art and other things fit into these worlds, Uh, but just a little background would be amazing.
0: Yeah, sure. So, you know, like I said, I spent my whole um, you know, uh, professional career working in the AR and VR and touched a lot of topics from, you know, industrial use cases to, you know, um making like fun painting apps to designing operating systems, and you know, uh got recruited actually onto that um neuroscience team kind of at the intersection of um yeah, neuroscience research and immersive media. And, you know, what they built is amazing. I think the whole industry was basically waiting for something like that. Like, industry insiders often joke that we're building, you know, uh, face computers. And like, this is the first time that really is like, you know, a MacBook Pro Ultra walking around in your face that you could do anything with, right? Um, yeah. And yeah, it opens up a lot of possibilities for the future. I think that um everyone's kind of been waiting for this moment and um i can't wait to get my own i can't wait for other people to try it it's really like um one of the most incredible objects i've ever seen it's like the uh sistine chapel of consumer electronics
1: i i mean it was quite impressive and like you know again there were these two narratives in response this is sort of part of a future that's exciting, and then of course you hear the alternative, which is this is dystopian and otherwise. I fall into the the first camp, where I can see uh, a future where a version of this, you know, probably a smaller form factor over time is is very additive to our experience uh, and our existence. I'm curious, Sterling. Uh, during your time there, you spent what I believe is is uh, the bulk of your efforts around sort of predicting based on biometrics and using machine learning, what people were cognitively uh, trying to accomplish or their psychological state. There's so many dimensions of that we could unpack. I'm actually curious from a, because technically it's fascinating, but from a conceptual artist perspective, are there dimensions of that that get your gears turning in terms of ways of exploring what that means?
0: Yeah, that's a really good question. You know, I think that if you think about, yeah, the macro trend of society, like we really already are cyborgs, right? Like we spend so much time with our devices. We like store our memories there. We, you know, get our opinions augmented through them. Um, we use them to, you know, it's they're fundamental parts of who we are in a lot of ways. And I think that you can imagine, like everyone's kind of in these little macro bubbles of their own realities. Like what I see in my feed isn't necessarily what you see in your feed. You could imagine like a deep future with some other product perhaps that's like um, helping you become the best version of yourself possible by like understanding how you um, your mood and how it changes through the day and maybe like what types of things you most respond to. I mean, you know, this isn't about their product in general, just like macro society scale. Um, those kinds of things I think are going to be huge instead of just like blasting you with media, like actually having it be personalized. And, you know, like if you imagine like the health and wellness space around technology, you know, helping you become more fit and active and encouraging you to go on walks and stuff like that, like having, um, this intelligence that like really knows you and is kind of like this ultimate, um, personal assistant and stuff, I think is going to be great. And yeah, as far as making art with that, I mean, it's like the, um, the second order effects of that kind of thing. It's like almost hard to even imagine what, what will happen with that. Yeah. I I think it's easy to go into this knee jerk reaction where it's like, Oh, it's going to manipulate your opinions and emotions. But like you look at Cambridge Analytica and what happened with Facebook and how people drive elections, by doing this hyper-targeted stuff toward people, like all that's kind of already happening. So ideally, you know, I always joke, like, I wish there was a, a show called White Mirror that just went into like really amazing things we could do with the same technology because it's like, it's so easy to, um, sell
1: fear, you know? much easier than selling uh, the, the optimistic futures um, of some of this technology. I'm curious, Sterling, from an artist's perspective, how, what would your advice be? You know, how should artists be thinking about immersive technology, both from um, the creator perspective, how to use it to create, but also from the collector perspective, how to create work that gets consumed and engaged with in new ways?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think that the platforms are really just becoming the way that people are going to consume all media. So in a way, you can just kind of keep doing what you're doing and follow your passions, and like it, they will just converge with this technology. Um, as far as like collectors and you know even businesses, like there's a whole um, push for this thing called WebXR, which is you know if you imagine a website that's on your phone or your computer, they display in different ways. There's code that will allow you to, um, you know, the headset knows you're looking, the website knows you're looking at it in the headset and it responds and represents itself in different ways. So um, just thinking about like how the work you're already making could be represented in different mediums. And I think artists are used to doing that, right? It's like, oh, how does my work look like in a thumbnail, in a feed? What does it look like full screen? You know, what does it look like in a gallery? And this is like one more um way that that can be um instantiated and like even now like there are not a lot of pe- people with these headsets so if you're making like exclusive headset work like that's definitely exciting and um there are new possibilities there but i think like it's an interesting challenge to figure out how to you know work across all these different platforms and still um get it Get it something compelling. If that makes sense,
1: yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and you know, from from my perspective, there's two dimensions on the digital art side that are especially interesting, and would love to kick it back to you to hear what you think. The first is the viewing experience, meaning you know, at the moment, display technology uh, is suboptimal for viewing uh, NFTs or digital art you may own. Physicals are an option, but there's friction there for sure. Um, In many cases, if of course, the word is animated, you know, precludes physicals from doing it justice. So there's that side. There's the viewing experience that maybe I wonder if this is part of a killer feature of immersive technology. The other is going back to your description around the sort of feedback loops that, that some of this technology allows for or permits and that's on the dynamic NFT side of things where people like Transient Labs and us in some respects at Proof and others are connecting digital art to things, other data sets is the best way to say it really, whether that's time or price of a cryptocurrency, but one could imagine also biometrics and other data sets feeding in to what is ultimately an artwork that provides feedback about those Dimensions. I'm curious, any thoughts on either what it means for viewing NFTs or two, how this uh, feedback loop with dynamic NFTs maybe uh, is unlocked in these worlds?
0: Yeah. So, from a viewing point of view, I mean, this tech is very quickly going to become higher resolution than our eyes can see and, you know, um, physically realistic audio. So, it's going to be like the best way to consume like any digital medium very very quickly um from the uh, interactive side i mean hypothetically you can really represent almost anything you know like doing 3d renderings and i think like a lot of the reason why artists are attracted to making 3d art is that like you kind of have an infinite budget you know if you wanted to make a sculpture of like some of the work Beeple is doing, it's like, oh, you'd have to have like a hundred million dollars to fabricate something like that in reality. And he can crank out an image of this in 10 minutes. And now with Midjourney, you just like type in whatever you can imagine. And all of that is converging on 3D graphics where you really will be able to kind of have this um, ultimate machine for your imagination where you put this thing on and you start asking for things and they just show up in front of you, like as real as you can imagine. I mean, it's going to be, um, like deeply psychedelic is the, really the only way I can describe it. Um, and yeah, if you're interested in this stuff, like get involved, get involved early. I mean, um, the vision isn't out yet, but quest, you know, you can pick up a quest for a couple hundred bucks. And, um, yeah, man, it's, it's exciting.
1: Yeah. And just to quickly double click, Sterling, into that point you made, um, it also, in some respects, empowers a new class of creator that is maybe interesting to think through as well. Uh, People who are able to use a combination of these new tools to create work, to express themselves, to start a dialogue. That's, of course, interesting. It's hard to argue that that's anything but uh, an exciting future, I think. Um, Sterling, this has been amazing. We could probably talk for uh, a couple hours across a bunch of these dimensions, uh, including Hawaii. But uh, I'd love to, I know you have an art blocks release upcoming. I'd love to hear about that uh, before we wrap up.
0: Yeah, sure. Uh, thanks for that opportunity. Um, so, yeah, I've got this project called Flourish. Um, it's inspired by uh, architectural drawings from the late 1800s and early. 1900s, you know, so if you're building a building and you wanna have these, you know, cast or carved elements around the outside to kind of um, decorate it ornately, um, people would do these kind of like Conte crayon and and, um, pencil drawings. And, you know, um, taking primitive geometry and combining them in uh, algorithmic ways is really like a staple of architecture, but it's also a staple of generative art. And if you look at like the current, um, trends in, um, generative architecture, it's a lot of this like big flowing sci-fi kind of Zaha Hadid stuff. And in my mind, like this, um, super classical, um, look is just really deeply beautiful to me and kind of like loops back to that computational beauty of nature and just like reverence for the complexity of forms that can come from, um, primary um, geometry and, and math. So um, yeah, this is coming out on um, August 30th. It's a collection of 270 works. You can check it out on my website and flip through some generations or on um, Artblock's website. I've got some um, early prints actually available on my shop. Mm. I kind of like went through Amazing. you know, out of sequence gens and, and picked out a few of my favorites.
1: And do you see, for, I appreciate all the details, do you see for yourself uh, a future of mostly long-form generative or you'll play across some one-of-ones and and long-form and physicals and immersive? You, uh, do you see yourself pretty flexible across all those mediums and, and all those types of work?
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah. like I said, I feel like I'm a conceptual artist, so I really just follow my curiosity. And, you know, in two years, I might just be doing a lot of work with autonomous robots, like who knows I just uh try to follow follow my curiosity and and i love I love long form generative art, so I don't see myself stepping away from that that's for sure
1: and sterling on that point, are there a couple conceptual artists either current or past that you can leave us with uh who maybe come to mind as sources of inspiration
0: um you know, that's a really good question. Um, I am like so exhausted. I'm like blanking on people right now.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay.
0: Um, okay. I think Baldessari, John Baldessari, probably is like one of my favorites.
1: Yeah. Amazing. Baldessari is incredible. Um, in this space, I, I, I find it hard not to love Def Beef and everything he does. Oh, yeah, um, totally. Yeah. Um, All right, Sterling, this has been amazing. Uh, I I am so appreciative of your time given everything that's going on, I'm sure. Cannot wait to see what you do, both sort of on the technology engineering side over the coming years, but of course on the art side as well. And and we'll be looking forward to the release uh, coming up here at the end of the summer. Cool,
0: yeah. I I super appreciate it, Eli. Um, Thanks for having me on. And um, I'll talk to you sometime soon all right that is it for this episode thanks
1: so much for tuning in if you would like to help us out, head on over to proof.xyz and click on the reviews button at the very top and leave us a five-star review thanks so much take care